Hello and welcome to Bald Move TV, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm Aaron, and I'm Cecily. And today we're—it's going to feel like we're talking about all television because we got—we got a, a cornucopia, a podupopia. Too much TV right now. That is a common—that is a common sentiment to reflect on on this podcast. Um, I'm not sure if this is going to be part of a, a larger podcast that Jim and I record later on Star Trek, or if it's going to be a standalone. Uh, spoilers for all the shows contained within. There's also all, um, uh, all Bald Move television shows have a handy-dandy little time code thing in its uh, show description, so you can jump ahead to the stuff that you have already seen or are interested in. Uh, we're going to be talking about BoJack Horseman Season 4. We're going to be talking about Top of the Lake Season 2. We're going to talk about Gerald's Game. Yes. Maybe something else. Nope, that's it. All right, that's it. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, let's do BoJack... Okay. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Let's do Top of the Lake, uh, nestle BoJack in between that and Gerald's game. So you get some fluff in between your heavy. Okay. Although, BoJack, pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. And that's just not that it's a joke based on his him being a horse. It's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, so strap in. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, Top of the Lake, season two. Yes. Uh, top. Uh, so if you don't, I, I guess I'll do a little non-spoiler introduction to see so you know why you should watch Top of the Lake. Uh, Top of the Lake Season 1 featured Elizabeth Moss going to a very small, rural uh, New Zealand community to investigate the disappearance of a little girl. No, the attempted, a uh, little girl's attempted suicide. Ah, right. Uh, she was 11. She was 11. And, and finding out the dark secrets contained within this, this, this the community. The family, the community, everything. Um, now, in Season 2, they moved this to Bonsai Beach? Oh, that's not Bondi. right. Bondi Beach, Bondi Beach. Uh, so in Sydney. the first, yeah, the first season, she or she's from Sydney. The first season, she moves back to this small town where she grew up, and had this traumatic experience happen to her. This is where we're going to get into spoilers. All right, yeah, we're about to spoil now. <laughs> but it's, it's also Elizabeth Moth is starring in it. Wendell um, and Christie finally is starring it, in something else in season two. Um, and it's the first season is unabashedly great. I think it's wonderful. Uh, season two, I have some problems with. Okay, thus ends the spoiler-free review. Let's get spoily. <laughs> Let's get spoily. So I was. I had trouble remembering the events that happened. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those, you know, we watch some shows where they do a little too much hand-holding, like, this is what happened previously mm-hmm. on, things like mm-hmm. that. You get none of that in this. They just kind of throw you in and expect you to remember names, places, events. You are absolutely going to knock that Diet Coke over. <laughs> All right. So... We didn't get any previously ons or anything like that, so I found myself spending a lot of time... Um, Googling, like reading the Wikipedia for the first season to yeah. try to put it together, but well, also um, she's they, they moved had this back to her hometown, and they're still treating it like it's the same small town that she just came from in New Zealand. Yeah, that's and the, it's Sydney. That's the problem. They had this like kind of like season preview kind of thing, but it immediately delved into season two spoilers. So we're like, ah, um, but yeah, my whole problem, my whole problem with this season is they treated. Sydney, a large metropolitan area, the same way a very small town owned by a single family or two families was in New Zealand. And it just doesn't work because everything is connected. Like, um, you know, Elizabeth Moss is investigating essentially the sex trade of 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 women from was it what, what were they Koreans? Thai? 
um, I don't know. I can't remember what cult, what what culture, but for they're they're some kind of Pan Asian culture, and they're they're like you know they're they're talking about this this kind of sex trade that they're getting sucked into. This is a common thing that happens <clears throat> everywhere, including America. But but Elizabeth Moss, uh, her boss is uh, her boss and her partner are getting a surrogacy done through this illegal sex trade network. Mm-hmm. Uh, who her daughter, Elizabeth Moth's um, ado- like a daughter she gave up for adoption a long time ago, is dating the man who is running the brothel. He's not running it. He, eh. owns, he owns the building and right. is very involved, but he's not involved business-wise. He's just... I mean, he abducted all of the women at the end and filmed this big... Like, I, I, I think that that was... Like, I think he was more involved than the show is letting on. No, no, no. I don't think he was involved in the business at all. Okay, it doesn't matter. I think he just matter. rented out the place. He, he... <laughs> Does not so affect the, the point I'm the... trying to make, which is this is a, this is, this is uh, all connected. Uh, Elizabeth Moss's uh, supervisor that assaulted her last year is, is back in a big way. Um, They're holding this court hearing thing in Sydney, even though it happened in New Zealand. Right. Which which I'm just now putting together doesn't really make sense. Maybe when it's it because in the it's same a, jurisdiction. That's a completely different country. I don't know how those policies. Like maybe maybe like in something like this that where you have an officer from Sydney that was assaulted by an officer from wherever in and and as was a Queen's Church. I don't know. Uh, New Zealand, uh, that maybe there's someone to the mainland. I, I don't know how that works all, but like um, her brother, Elizabeth Moss' brother, starts dating Gwendolyn Christie, even though she's in this really passionate, committed relationship with the police chief. Who's already married to someone else. Already married to someone he's else. He's married to someone else, and he's so desperate to have a baby with his mistress that they're using illegal surrogates. Yeah, and then then Elizabeth Moss finds out the, you know, the identity or tr- tries to meet her daughter and uh, her daughter's father is this kind of like wimpy dude, but you know, with a strong moral background. And he's da- he's married to Nicole Kidman, but she's actually in a lesbian relationship with this other crazy woman. Right. After and then Elizabeth years, Moss starts divorce. Then she starts dating her daughter's adoptive f- father. adoptive father, and it's just like. This is fucking crazy. There's other Every... people out there. Yes, yes. And then there's also this big um there's this this other weird thing where there's this group of dudes that meet in this coffee house and they do nothing but give reviews of brothels. Right. They're like her... professional uh sexual escort reviewers, like Yelp for sex workers. Yeah. There's just way too many coincidental connections. And there's something and this, in, yeah, in the and this second... guy is also a uh what do you call it? A customer of the same brothel. Right. Of the same girl who's missing. And then Elizabeth Moss, like there's a scene in, early on in the second episode where they've established that this girl has died and they've stuffed her body in a suitcase. And you see this suitcase bobbing in the sea for like two episodes. And Elizabeth Moss like goes to this Bondi beach to kind of like soul search. And they combine that footage, and I'm like, if Elizabeth Moss <laughs> if they finds well. this murder investigation, uh, uh, they may well as well have just made her find it. Right, right. But it's like there's just a lot of ridiculous stuff like that. That like I get very absorbed in each episode because the acting is really good, the atmosphere is suitably moody, and everything's very tense and and weighty. But then these connections keep on. S- bringing me back to reality that this is just this is just kind of this is just kind of yeah does it seem like this is suffering from like i you know i haven't done any research about the writers and the directors but it's got like a 
Uninformed true detective. opinions is what Bald Move is founded mm, on. It's got like a true detective season two feel. Like yeah. the first one you spent all this time on making perfect, and I thought it was amazing. Right. And then this time it's like, well, we need the same feel, but we're just going to rush these pieces together, including um, not getting the same actor back who played Jono, who, if you don't remember, is the man who was with her when she was gang raped and resulted right. in the pregnancy of this you know 17-year-old girl now. Um, they moved back to Sydney and they were going to get married and then he starts growing weed and has an affair with another no, I don't, woman I actually don't, and they quickly I don't think dispose of him. I don't think that's you're supposed to understand that that's Jono. No, it is. It really? absolutely is. Okay, yeah, that was They weird just got then. a different actor. See, I, I, I didn't even understand that because I thought she had a line saying things with Jono didn't work out and then this is another guy. and But but it's it's so weird because like why – like like Elizabeth Moss' character was going to put up with any insult to her – you know, I guess personhood like this boyfriend is stepping is is growing weed and he shows up. He's in jail. They can't. And, but she's going to go get. She's going to marry him through the bars. Right. She's and then she realizes weed and like that's an acceptable risk for her as a police officer. I guess I don't know what the legality status is. And well, New he got Zealand arrested or, for it. Ah, uh, true, true. So that shows. He didn't get yeah. arrested for being with that other girl. Uh, but <laughs> it you is know, weird they put them in the same cell though. But. Well, conjugal visits. <laughs> conjugal inmates uh but then she finds out that she you know i just i don't know like that stuff just really didn't work and also i I wasn't sure what they were trying to do with like elizabeth moss's daughter um because she vacillated between this very intelligent self-possessed woman to being an idiot which i get she's a she's a she's a teenager but she also seemed to have like really out of nowhere emotional problems but here's the thing is she's a 17 year old and a 42 or 3 year old man is treating her as if she's a fully developed adult i think when she was having those profound moments she Mm -hmm. was probably just repeating back things that he had taught her said you think so that she doesn't fully emotionally understand yeah, I feel like she did live a pretty sh- live a pretty sheltered life, just, just based on like, like the when general uh, the affluence of her family. They seem uh, to be pretty well off. Oh yeah, and she seemed pretty you know sheltered. Um, I just think in particular the scene where they're on the beach and her forty some year old lover. Uh, he, he, I mean, the, the other thing is this guy is essentially um, the director of the room. He's got similar hairstyle, similar features, and he's <laughs> got the whole bizarre accent. Yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. He's got that similar kind of thing, and um, he's talking on the beach to Robin, who is the Elizabeth Moss character, and he's trying. I don't know. He's he's playing this psychological he's game. Problems. He's got some emotional problems too, and he bites her right in the nose. And then her daughter comes out of the ocean and starts, like, just throwing an adult temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if that's an emotional issue. And somehow that convinces this police officer who very much believes he's a suspect in the the disappearance and murder of this And just a bad idea for her. And he assaulted her. Yeah. And she did not arrest him because she started beating her face with her fists. Yeah. I don't like because that's the thing. Like I don't know if that's just years of poor parenting or that's just that's bad just bad police work. Well, I mean it's that too because like the very next episode, she comes this close to get the. Well, she actually does join the sex trade, and she comes this close to boarding a plane with the rest of these women to get you know because the the other thing is like the 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 grand scheme of this season was for this guy to have a whole bunch of wealthy, but people that had difficulty finding uh you know the, the conceiving 
to have this illegal surrogacy program with all these wealthy Australians. Which seems to be, like, and, not just this brothel. I think it's commonplace with a few of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he films this, this elaborate, well, not elaborate. It's like a student film project about <laughs> these women being taken from their villages and sold into slavery. And then their families have to deal with them being taken from them for money. And now you do, too, because I'm taking your children away. And I'm going to, and, and white babies get fetch a healthy sum on the open market. I'm going to sell your babies just like you bought and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. That seems like a really crazy scam to be working on somebody. Absolutely. I mean, I think. And then there's other like ludicrous things like Boromir, her former supervisor in New Zealand, trying to rape her in the conference room of the rape courthouse. Rape kill her right before the hearing about. That just. Which seems to be going his way. Honestly, because he got that case overturned, and this was his suit against her for making those claims, and, and then you gave it all away. And how ludicrously over the top all of the, the sexual harassment and stuff is amongst the police force in Australia. Like, if that's yeah. – I don't know. Maybe that's not exaggerated. Maybe it's, like, that bad in Australia. I'm, right. I, I don't know, but Jesus, it was like – In New Zealand and this town, it's so bad. Yeah. Like, just people openly propositioning her, people being incredibly uh, – tactless and dealing with her she was attacked by this guy who probably raped her when he drugged her and she got and she was attacked again at the hearing about it and the police officers are laughing at her when she comes back and sort of poking fun right like i i mean even if you're a sexist person i just don't see how you are that disgusting about it well also like police officers are supposed to be like this brotherhood right well plus she's shot and paralyzed this guy so like I could see freezing her out or thinking she's a freak, but make like it seems very dangerous to make fun of her because she might like if you think she's a loose cannon crazy, well, well she might just take her service weapon out and shoot you in the face. Right, she routinely shows up with bruises and bite marks on her face. Like you do not <laughs> fuck with this woman. <laughs> uh, so the things I liked, I thought um, this 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 show got me thinking about um, how like these in vitro programs are kind of predatory towards people like women who have bought into the you can wait as long as you want to have children oh you're 45 uh your odds of 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 successfully conceiving are like 20 to 1 and they had this 20 sided dice where he kept rolling it and like this is the ultimate slot machine it's 20 grand a time and i'm like oh like i'm not saying that all in vitro clinics are are that predatory but it's like one of those things where even like like it's a it is kind of a casino where like they're not necessarily scummy about it, but there's obviously people with problems that are using it and they are enabling that type of behavior. And I don't I don't have any solution to that. I'm just saying that my eyes were kind of open to like oh this is kind of uh, a problem and 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 connect to like the emotion behind the parents involved and. Like the the one doctor who's working for it desperately wanted out because he's like I'm so sick and tired of destroying these people's lives. Right. Um, he's like a pit boss that's just seen too many grandmas put their life savings through the slot machines, and he he wants out. I thought that was really good. Um, I thought Gwendolyn Crispy 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 Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Crispy was, was just absolutely delightful. She her hot light was on. She's fresh out of the oven. Yeah, she was just so crispy and creamy. When she when she greeted that little puppy when she was yes. supposed to be the intimidating person was just the cutest thing I've ever seen. And how intimidated people were by her just right. for and and I can relate. <laughs> however, I didn't understand because I really wanted I really wanted. Uh, Gwendolyn and and Elizabeth to get on and they just didn't because a lot of re- like first of all 
Golden Christie's having this inappropriate relationship with their supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's also having an inappropriate relationship with her partner's brother. And she somehow, yeah, you know, and I think it was alluded to, if not outright said that they put, um, I don't know why we don't know these character names, but Elizabeth Moss's character, they Robin. put Robin in an apartment right across from Gwendolyn Christie, but they didn't divulge that information until she had No, they deliberately did that to keep tabs on her because they don't trust her because she shot a cop. No, no, no. I think that they did it, these two specifically, her supervisor and the partner, mm-hmm. so that they could keep tabs on her investigation into the surrogacy because they were a part of it. Oh, shit. In retrospect, I think you're probably right. Yeah. And there was a lot of hints early on. And I think, I mean, I was wrong about Cinnamon being their specific surrogate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, there was the panda that he dropped off at the brothel and, and that girl thing, kept walking like, around with. And th- They could have fixed some of these problems just by maybe he goes to a different brothel. It's the same. So, like, they're still afraid because they don't know which brothel this woman come from. But they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, why right. does it have to be the same place? And I think that's... Your your comparison to season one to season two of True Detective was apt because Pizzolatto took this southern gothic story and just transplanted it to L.A. And it didn't really work in the same way that this New Zealand gothic story uh, with all these intricate fami- familial connections doesn't work when you take it to... The big city. It's like if you told a story... It's, it's like if you took Stranger Things, it's set in Hawkins, Indiana, and next season it's in Manhattan... You've got to fucking structurally change that stuff because right. otherwise none of it works. And if you want to tell a Cohen brother story where the coincidences are just too too crazy to be it's real. A, it's like absurdist, then, yeah. Then just go into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like this hard-boiled, gritty thing. and I mean, like I said, it's still very compelling. Elizabeth oh, yeah, Moss absolutely. is still excellent. I loved it. But um, there's just – just have that in mind. Yeah. Anything else we want to say about it or should um, we move on to – we left it this season with um I just also I loathe most of the characters. Yeah. Like even even like Nicole I really Kidman wanted to like was very, I mean I, but Oh, I let's think talk about part. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Nicole Kidman has like makeup with freckles and prosthetic teeth and she channels this, this insane bird like quality that is like she's insufferable, but you can't tear your eyes off of her because she's just so she's good. She's insufferable by design. She's so good at doing. It's like uh, Gleason's uh, King Joffrey. It's like she's he's driving you crazy, and you want this pound his face into pudding, but that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Right, and the father is such a pushover that it's like I believe that you raised this child. Yeah, from adoption. You probably told her very early on she was adopted, and just you know shared a little bit too much. Yeah, but didn't because develop you, very right. much. So she's got these issues, and of course she made this choice. And, and the, again, and of course you're going to bring your child cake after she had sex with a 43 year old. That's in her the little thing. Girl bedroom. Like I see that you're not okay. Maybe you don't take a stand, and she's well. She's getting to be an adult. She can sleep with who she wants. Do you have to bring her cake afterwards? Yeah, that's that's, that's where like there's a thin line between tolerating the decisions that your children are making that are self destructive to enabling them. What's worse? And he went into the enable thing. What is worse to you? What? Bringing the little girl a cake mm-hmm. after she had sex with an adult in her room with her parents downstairs. Mm-hmm. Or the mother throwing away the rest of the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the other thing is like, uh, then I find out he's doing a daddy-daughter dance, which I think is one of the uh, grossest things in the world. I, I associate that with deeply disturbing conservative Christian culture. Right. Like, yuck. Right, right, right. 
And I don't know where that came from. Maybe that's more of an innocent thing and a fun thing in Australia, like a take your daughter no. to work day. But it's or it's, I think it's gro- just as gross as um, this is a controversial opinion. Okay, walking your daughter down the aisle. I mean, hmm. what it means is that you are giving this woman away. You You're are right. in possession you of this woman, and now I'm giving you. P- this other man possession of this woman. Yes. At no point was the line of possession. Yeah, you're right. You're it's, right. It's, I think it's kind of creepy and gross and antiquated. Okay. Because, I mean, unless you're also trading like chickens and cows when you trade your daughter. Then, sure. I mean, you got to make room for the fact that like, because some, some like I was raised a Jehovah's Witness and they don't celebrate anything because of its their ancient pagan or- origins. And there's a certain point where you can take that too far and be like, yo, Christmas is just fun. This isn't worshiping a Roman god dummy like sometimes like you know the father walking daughter down the aisle like i don't think that meat it doesn't mean what it originally means so you can get in danger of like insulting people that are doing this because they love their father and this is a tradition and it gives them happiness and you know so i just wanted to put that out there too but daddy daughter dances i don't know yeah the other uh so we talked about nicole kidman we talked about Um, the german who owns the brothel house um I just didn't because like none of his character just didn't feel real at all, and also like I just feel like they could have I don't know they there seemed like a point where maybe the parents couldn't, but I just feel like they could have had him arrested at any point because he's a he's like by te- by the legal technicality a pedophile, and I'm like push that fuck no was she like There's... age of consent sixteen <laughs> yeah. Something and if like they that. like she was like three weeks away from 18th birthday and if she, they wanted to get married they but i also like i kept on thinking that the daughter would there would be a line to cross like the first time he slapped her or the first time like he said you need to go out and hook for me to support your girls like there was some point there where she'd be like this is this is stupid and i was worried that she never would but then when she did refuse to get on the plane but- i'm like okay thank god yeah, I thought it would be over when she had Robin pick her up after her first, you know, encounter paid with the John. sexual encounter. Yeah. Um, but no, she went forward with it until she didn't get on the plane. But who knows? What but next that's the thing. Holds. Like it's a it's a character. Even Robin was weirdly unlikable. I mean, at least she came by it honestly. Right. I can. You have the backstory. You understand why she's so cold and distant, and why she can't, she can't just have a buddy cop comedy with Gwen right. and Christie, which is the only thing we want. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, top of the league seats too. Big step backward, yeah. I think. Uh, shall we talk about BoJack? Yes. Um, BoJack Horseman season four. Where the darkest year of their adventures? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it uh, was as good as previous seasons? Better than previous seasons? Par for the course? I would say this season a lot more woke. <laughs> Really? Because yeah. I feel like that's one of the defining characteristics of the, of the BoJack experience. It's aggressively self-aware of oh, itself yeah. and I what mean, it's doing. The and main the... characters are a horse, um, a Mexican man, and an Asian woman. Right. So, And then the Mexican man, or what's his name, Todd? Yeah, I always Todd. forget that Todd is Mexican-American because right. he's Aaron Paul. and Exactly. I, I, I always think of him in terms of Aaron, Aaron Paul. He And he reveals himself to be asexual this season which i think is a yeah that's um, pretty uh, progressive i guess it's not something that people really commonly understand yeah because i'm i'm out there with my feelers towards this stuff all the time like i don't i don't necessarily agree with everything that comes out of like you know the t- the the tumblr and social justice warrior culture but i do ascribe to its ideals of try to understand and have empathy and inclusion and 
I like up to a, c- a couple years ago, I didn't even realize asexual people existed. Like on the spectrum of all these different sexual combinations, like I, I the, the idea that someone would not, you know, devote a disproportionate pa- a, 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 a amount of their mental, emotional, and physical capital towards getting laid. Like that's just that that seemed crazy. Like, yeah, there's different ways you can configure that desire, but for someone to not have any desire, there's nothing medically wrong with them. They just don't. They just they're just not sexual beings. Uh, is a super new thought, and I liked how they put that out there with Todd, and he found other like the support program where they call themselves Aces, which I thought was cute. Yeah, asexuals, Aces, Aces. Yeah. Um, I thought that was uh that that was pretty cool. Yeah, a social satire of. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter running for a government position against yeah. a uh, you know wood, woodchuck could chuck yeah woodchuck could chuck uh, who is kind of a Barack Obama stereotype I thought was maybe a little bit on the nose to like it it wasn't espe- the in, the situations that developed weren't especially entertaining and also it's extremely basic it's a weird way to structure a season around the fact that the, the you know the Citizen Kane Mr. Peter Peanut Butter thing. Yeah, and another season of BoJack just trying to figure out who he is, mm-hmm. what he wants. And mm-hmm. this time, with a potential daughter. Mm-hmm. Hollyhock. Right. Who we figure out is actually his sister. Yeah, and I liked... There's a lot of things I liked about this, this season. I really liked how they explained BoJack's mother's damage, um, but never excused it or asked you to feel sympathetic. In fact, they showed that, like... They showed her many points in time where she could have turned the corner and found some kind of grace and, and forgiveness in life, and she just steadfastly. Now, part of the reason she doesn't able, or isn't able to take advantage of those opportunities is because of all that damage. Right. But still, like, Mental you know. Mental health awareness wasn't a thing when she was growing up, and then the bad things kept coming with Well, war. not only was it not a thing, the one example she had, her mother getting lobotomized, is horrific. So it's like it's like, it's like I get it, but still, I can't like, and and it wasn't entirely devoid of this, but because because there's a couple times where I think we're supposed to think Bojack's a, a bad person for some of the choices he makes about his mother, but I I thought it's it's that most most of the fiction I see in this when you've got this awful person. You know, the son or daughter feels this enormous pressure narratively to make up or to look past that or to do the things that their parent wasn't able to do. But, you know, Bojack's a damaged guy, too. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that they're just they just put that stuff out there and there's no like they ask you to be empath- empathetic towards it, but there's no real moral judgment. Right. Like I if Bojack had turned a page just because his mother is in ill health and started to forgive her i think that that would be really unrealistic because that's an entire lifetime full of damage and just because she's not yeah fully there with her mental faculties that yeah. doesn't excuse all the time that he she spent hurting him right. and it's fine if hollyhock wants to try to have a relationship with her now at this point but you can't ask him to do the same yeah i think asking the victim to be the first one to forgive them is not Oh no, and th- th- that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of societies. Pre- like, it's it's unrealistic and unfair. But there is an m- enormous amount of society pressure that you must love your parents, and parents must love your children. Like, I, there's been many times where I've talked to people candidly about my relationship with my mother, and and I ever and you know because like I don't love my mother. I don't feel anything about my mother. In my mind, my mother's been dead for like ten, fifteen years. 
Um, and they're like, oh, no, you can't. You've got to love your mother. She You're gave birth feel to you. so bad when, when she, she gets And I'm older. like, bitch, you don't even know. Because you had a, like, and, you know, you had a good to great to a normal relationship with your mother. Like, good. That is a privilege that you had. Right. Every child should have parents that unconditionally love and support us. But not all of us are that fucking lucky. I mean, it's exactly like understanding someone else's sexual experience. Right. Like, Oh, you gotta be about the pussy dog or about dick or something. No, I just really don't. No way, man. Like, yeah, it's like it's always bracing when someone and, and that's being a, gay that, is a sin until you figure out that you like other guys or no, other women. But that, it's it's always bracing, and I think that's why people that are kind of like society's default setting for people don't get this. But it's always bracing when you tell someone your life's experience and they instantly reject it, right? And say you must be mistaken about it. And you can. Well, if, have you tried right. not feeling that way? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like all that stuff they're exploring about uh, uh, BoJack, and I really like the end when you find out the Hollyhock is actually BoJack's sister. And I love the look on BoJack's face when he realized that that's what the relationship and like this, like I am way, like I, I am way too damaged to be any kind of good father. But maybe I could be a cool older brother. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure there'll be some more friction along the way. But I, I thought that was a great, great arc for his character and for Hollyhock's character. What do you think that does to Hollyhock's relationship with Bojack's mom? I don't know. I think Bojack's mom needs to die in her sleep pretty soon because she's right. very old age, and that's the other he thing. He can is afford put her back in that home. Just when you met, maybe some audience members start to vacillate about maybe Bojack should lighten up on her mom. She puts diet pills, grinds up diet pills, and puts them in the coffee, so Hollyhock almost dies. Yeah, uh, she's a terrible, terrible person, terrible person. from a, a product of terrible generations of people before her, and it's and not it, all it's, her fault. But right, at the it's end, not her fault. But what she does is sometimes you got a mad dog, and it's not the mad dog's fault, but it needs to be put down. Yeah. So I think BoJack should kill his mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the show that could totally. If if I saw an episode where BoJack got the pillow out and smothered her. And then, like, it smashes the black. Back in the 90s, I was... I would, like, totally buy it. Like, I'd be like, yep, that's something this show can do. Like, it, in a similar but very different way, pushes the boundaries of what we think of in terms of animation in this country. uh, as Rick and Morty. Right. You know? Like, this is very... Like, my son... I've I let I preview and I let my son watch seventy five percent of the Rick and Morty's because there's some things I think are just too fucking. You're not ready for your mind to handle these concepts yet. There's not a single episode of BoJack I would want him to show because number one, most of the humor is going to be lost on him. Number two, it's too emotionally mature. I think yes. there's, there's things like when he asks why I can't do this or why I can't do that. You, I can't explain to you why because yeah. it's just an emotional adult maturity that you know. If I could explain it to you and you understand, then you'd be watching. Yeah, the like show. how can I explain the idea of BoJack having sex with the former girlfriend's daughter as a way to re-experience the conquest of the mother originally? It's right, like, but I mean, that's not something eleven-year-olds are ready to handle. Animation is being taken more seriously now because there's things in it that you can't do with like right. practical or even CGI effects when you're making a a movie with live action. I mean, right. you can do anything you want and tell the story you want to tell without restrictions. Yeah, and I and, and you can do things like that like you can blur the line between these people's animal and and person selves. Like one of my favorite things about it is sometimes like uh or like uh, Vanessa Gecko who's a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but there's like, you know, pr- um 
uh, the cat, Princess Caroline, she's dating a mouse. Mm-hmm. But then in the background, you'll see, I don't know, like like they're talking about preparing shellfish at this party, and like the the lobster waiter <laughs> visibly blanches. Yeah, like they like it, so you can't get a straight answer about whether these are dog people or they're people people Cannibals or, or you know, yeah, what hum- what role humans have to play is this like post nuclear nuclear apocalypse? Yeah, or it's like a that. really great like it's as, just as in its way science fiction concept of of Rick and Morty. You know what else I love is they actually have guest stars that they name that they're doing parodies of like blatant in your face parodies but the guest star is always the person that they're um skewering mostly yeah but you know if they name a a real person then it's that real person voicing them yeah and like, like jessica and, and we're talking about like you know uh pretty famous people like they had david chase on on there yeah as a, a director of uh, bojack spinoff and they had uh Paul Giamatti, Jessica Biel, running Jessica for Congress. Biel. Too. What was her slogan? It's something about a be- she was being a Bealist. Oh, oh that's right. Um, Jessica Biel's like her followers are like Bealists, which is a uh, like a, a a play on the B list. Yeah, she's a B list celebrity, and like I don't. I don't know. I guess that is that proof that Jessica Biel has a good sense of humor, or is she cynical enough to know if she pokes fun at her own relative fame that that'll make just, people like her? Or does she or, just really need the check? <laughs> or does she really need a check? That's the thing. In Hollywood, you don't ever know. I also love this show because they knock the D off the Hollywood sign and they just roll with it. Now it's Hollywood. It's not Hollywood. Uh, I don't know why that's funny. It just is. There's a couple things I think the show gets a little up too up its ass, like. The writer, the writing room loves puns and things that rhyme. And I think some of those are clever, but they really pushed the limits of what I was ready to accept this season. Right. Always Princess Carolyn's pitches. Yeah. It's always the, I, I can't even give you a good example because yeah. I literally roll my eyes it? back in my head and black out for 30 seconds while they're going along uh, with it. Yeah, I get it. It's clever. You can wordsmith really well, but it's. It's a little gratuitous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's like a, it's a guy that just learned to juggle, and every party he goes to, he sees three apples. Look at me, I'm juggling. Like, okay, I get it. You can yeah. juggle. I, you can juggle. I understand. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Bojack wise? Nope. All right, let's power on to Gerald's game. Yeah, this came out of like uh, this is the thing I love about Netflix. No real pre publicity. It just it just as unleashed and the internet explodes. Right. This is a st- Apparently, they're doing Netflix is doing a bunch of Stephen King stories uh-huh. that they're going to be releasing. I also saw that their their strategy for um, their upcoming the Netflix's prevailing strategy right now is looking at projects that are in development hell, like these risky projects that are ambitious and maybe expensive and have talent attached to them, but like Hollywood isn't touching and buying them up. And they're all amazing. And red and well, Netflix is in the red. Yeah, and they don't give a shit. It's like just like Jeff Bezos with Amazon churning out quality content. Right, as long as their their rate of growth can outpace their expenses, that's a that's that's a good model. And some and you know eventually you try to hit stability, or you just never stop growing. I don't know what they're trying to do, but Netflix is is is, is got this 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 amazing library that they're building out that they own. They don't mm-hmm. have to pay licensing for, and I think it's very smart. Uh, Gerald's Game, an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. I've heard it's very faithful. I've never read the book. I haven't either. Um, but it stars Carla... Gugino? Uh, and... Or Gugino? Maybe. Shit, what's the guy's name? Something. Uh, he played uh, JFK in uh, 13 Days. Eastwood? He played Captain Pike in the new Star Trek reboot. Um, 
and he's he's really good. But it's essentially the plot is this woman. I'm gonna I'm not gonna spoil it. Uh, this woman, a man uh, and woman, a man are... and woman go on a romantic treat retreat, and they're in middle age. Like she's like in her Bruce early Greenwood. She, yeah, she's in her early 40s. He's in his mid-50s, so they're a little bit like an age difference. But they go to this romantic retreat, and he handcuffs her to the bed as part of this sex game. Uh, then slips and falls and hits his head and, di- and has a heart attack and dies like all simultaneously. And now she kind, can't... Kind of. He has a heart attack while they're arguing about the fact that he's been cheating on her and they're trying to reignite the spark. He has a heart attack. She kicks him off the bed, and then he hits his head and dies. So she can't reach the keys. She can't reach water. She they, they left the front door open. They left the front door open. So a do- like there's a lot of complications that come in. That's the end of the spoiler free part of the review. Um, I thought this was amazing. I thought Carla was. I in fact I, when I first walked in, you had started the movie and you were like 15 minutes into it. I didn't even recognize her. Right. Because she had been crying and her like hair and makeup was all crappy and like it she's like transformed into a different person through this like, you know, experience that she's had. Um and the psychological aspect where she's got like her idealized self doing battle with like or she's you know, her... she's dehydrated and she's starting to hallucinate. Right. Yeah. Uh she's doing she's it's doing this psychological battle between her I wouldn't say idealized, but her internal monologue version of her husband, Gerald. Right. And then she has all these intense flash because this is a Stephen King. Of course, her father molested her back and she's got these repressed memories about it. And then there's this moonlight man that shows up. This is this creepy ass guy who's got this bag of bones and gold trinkets and he comes at night. Right. And he just, I mean, he seems like a hallucination. The first time you see him, he's just sort of, you can barely tell he's just sort of yeah. rocking in the corner. And it's, yeah. It's, you can't it's, tell what's It's real one of those really not. creepy things where you're not even sure he's there, and then he moves, and it's like, oh, shit. And there's another, like, the biggest jump scare of all was the one where she is thinking about herself during, you know, right after her dad completely mind fucks her into not telling the truth about him, him sexually abusing her. And she's lying back, and she feels this thing licking her feet, and she looks up, and it's the fucking Moonlight Man doing it. Yeah. And then it transforms into the dog, which I thought they were suggesting that the Moonlight Man was essentially her hallucinating the dog at night. I I don't really like the fact that the Moonlight Man was real. I don't understand what that added to the story. Um... I don't know what it added to the story either. Because, like, most people in that situation don't really get closure of their events. Like, I thought it was kind of like, oh, well, they're, they're showing her rebuilding her life by helping other traumatized pe- people. And that's a really cool plot. But then she gets the exclamation point by able to by being able to confront her tormentor. I think that he was able or I think that in her mind and in her inner monologue, she knew that that man that the Moonlight Man was going to come back and kill her. Yeah. And that was what gave her the motivation to get out of that right, situation. Right, but the Moonlight Man doesn't need to be real in that situation. No. And we don't know that he was until... And she doesn't know that he was until later. Right. I mean, she sees the footprint, but she immediately dis- dismisses it. Um, you know, the dog's been eating off of Gerald. The Moonlight Man is apparently in there whenever she's sleeping. Uh, eating off Gerald. And, you know, cutting off pieces of him, too. I just thought that whole epilogue was where he have to, they have it to construct this person just... that's, like, so specific that he wouldn't hurt her, even though, like, she's there and helpless. And 
I, I I just felt like that was really messy and took away. Like, I, but I I, I kind of think if I'm Stephen King, what I'm doing is this is essentially a camp. This is essentially a very long winded and expanded and expounded upon like campfire story. Right. You know, like a scary story to tell in the dark. If, and there's always that twist about like, and maybe he's real. Ah! But what would you think if like didn't work at the end? She crashed the car. The people found her. And then maybe you go to the hospital or, you know, in the ambulance. Somewhere you see a glimpse of a newspaper that says search for Moonlight Man continues. Still don't like it. No? I don't like the idea that he's real. I don't, I, I don't understand. Yeah, the whole end epilogue thing. Which because then you could w- debate whether he was a real super, like a, quote, uh, like a real supernatural event or he was a real person or a figment of her imagination. And I liked how... Right before she passed out, she saw him in the back seat. And the way that they used his eyes as, like, twin uh, blood-red eclipses, eclipses, I thought yeah. was really cool. And the setting of it during the solar eclipses was really neat. I just – I don't know. Like, I making the Moonlight Man real seems the only narrative purpose it served was to give her, like, an ultimate victory point. But I feel like in a story like this, the messy, like, she trying to get meaning from her life organically and through her own hard work and outreach to other victims is better than her getting a cool courtroom scene where she can, like, dunk on the Moonlight Man and then walk out and then the movie ends. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I think, in fact, I kind of think that... My if if I was editing this movie, I would have ended it right as she hit the tree, and it just fade to black, and then you don't know whether she got got out alive. You don't know if the Moonlight Man is real. Be interested. Maybe to, that's a little bit more too traumatizing for women. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to read the. But this is horror, damn it! And see how <laughs> Stephen King ended it. No, I, yeah, I, I mean, the, speaking the, of according horror, to according to r slash television. Um, Exactly. Like like every beat for beat, like this this the 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 everything was the same. Like this is very faithful to the book. Okay. Which it's got that going for it. Yeah. But speaking of horror, it had one of the most gruesome body horror scenes I've ever seen. That thing where she degloves her hand to get out of the hand <laughs> cuffs and the sinew is that was and you can see the muscles and the, yeah. It's insane. It was a bad. It was a bad scene. I mean, I just oh, it was the best scene, but it was like it. It really made me squirm and look away. I can't help, but I mean, I can't help but keep thinking about it. It sticks with you. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking, like, how did she know the exact way to cut her skin so that it would come off that way? Yeah, I thought. See, that's where I thought that they they plussed it a little too much because her doing those kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and T two incisions. I felt like what she was going to do is slit her wrist because the blood would lubricate it enough, and then she just it just got she got degloved just as it's not like she meant to do that. But and by the way, if you don't know, degloving literally means it, that's a medical term where the skin of your hand gets ripped off like a glove. Yeah, um, I, I felt like it should have been more an accidental, organic thing than like oh, well, I mean for this to happen because I don't even know you have the dexterity to do that kind of cut. But that's uh, that's that's minor compared to my problems with the moonlight. No, I man. think the execution was fine. I would just like a better understanding of how she knew exactly what she needed to do. Yeah. Um like if she was a medical like she was a medical student before she Right, exactly. Or, yeah. Or her husband had is that is he too young for that? Or if her husband had been in the war or something something that would make yeah. sense, you know, like her her father described to her a man that did it to himself when he was in the war once. She helped her dad clean animals, you know, <laughs> clean animals that he hunted. I, who exactly. Knows? 
Um, you read about how the Moonlight Man did it to one of his victims. I don't know. It's right. something to make it make sense because. But it's a hell. I know. I can tell you how I'm going to know if I'm ever in that position. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a suspense film, and it's one of the one of the better things I've seen Netflix do. Netflix has done a lot of great stuff. Yeah. So if you're in the mood for something creepy this it's Halloween, uh, this October, Gerald's Game. There's also good timing. Yeah, it's very good. There's also going to be another one coming out soon starring Thomas Jane called I think it's called 11 22 something like that. It's a date. Yeah. Um and I've read it's a short story from the book Full Dark No Stars. Mm. Um I've read that one so I can speak confidently about can you give us a no spoiler synopsis like what's the premise sure it's um a man and his son and wife are living on a farm but uh big big business wants to buy them out and you know they're going broke on the farm but the wife refuses to sell because this is her family farm this is her heritage her birthright Mm -hmm. um so they have to come to terms with what they're going to do about the situation interesting yeah. You know what I know? I just now thought of this. What I really want to see Netflix or after success of it, maybe some other movie house do? The Long Walk. Yeah, that would be good. Wouldn't that be an amazing... I, I just think that would be a fucking a, a, amazing story. I, I almost wish right, I could hit if... myself in a hammer to forget how it goes just because I think it would be as great as that those some of those set pieces are painted in my my memory um like seeing them on scene would be just amazing and so if you don't know that the premise of that is um in this dystopian united states future there's this uh annual competition where x amount of young people enter um but only one is allowed to win and the rules are simple you just have to start walking and maintain a 3 mile an hour pace if you slow down, you're warned twice. If you if you if you break that pace for a minute, you're warned. If you do it again, you're warned again. The third time, you're shot and left for dead at the side of the road. Well, pretty I, pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Um, I have and they're all. Did you say that they're all young men? I think so. Right, like eighteen year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all they're kids. They're kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have some news for you. They're, are they making it? No, but Frank Darabont owns the rights to it. Oh, I mean, he would do a great job on it, but like when you say own the rights, is he sitting on the rights? He's is sitting he going to the develop rights. these things? I mean, when I searched for it, I found a lot of articles about people clamoring for it. And well, that... he's got he's got a great track record of Stephen King stuff. I feel oh, like yeah. he he understands that material. They did the Mist together, right? Yep, and also uh, the Green Mile. Ah, yes, that would be um, good. That'd be I feel good like there's one. another one he did that Stephen King too. Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I think that's because it, it's the Stephen King's short story is like Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, right? But yeah, that was another one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's he and plus you know Walking Dead was very the the season one of Walking Dead had a lot more of those creepy kind of existential dread and horror moments than anything else in the series. That's that that was all Frank Darabont. Um. Right, and they use a lot of the same like cast like uh, Melissa McBride. Sure. Um, he's got a loyal crew. Yeah. Um. So. I think that's that's it. Is there that's any other it? television we want to watch, or um, what do we want to talk about? What's that's what's as long coming as up next on our for. list? <laughs> um, whatever this uh, the Stephen King ad- adaptation that I just mm-hmm. spoke about is that dropping soon? You that said? is before the end of October. I wow, think it's the twenty seventh. So we'll talk about that and the other milieu of television that we have to watch. Right. There's a whole bunch of stuff that has come out that I haven't had time to see because I've been watching all this other stuff like. 
season two insecure i heard is really amazing let's not talk about our failures let's talk about our successes <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's it thanks for joining me cecily we will be back at some indeterminate time in the future for more bald move tv all right sounds good <laughs>